If you're a first-time guest, we're a church, we're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and, and we want to live that out together. Uh, we're also a project, we're an ongoing pursuit, we're trying to figure out how to be the church in 2018, almost 2019, and so we're in this together, we're being the church together, and I guess, uh, Jeremy, when it rains, it really does pour, uh, for no reason, my iPad decided to just reset, so... I'm gonna put my old man glasses on, because don't worry, I have a backup on my phone. Look at this, so I'm preaching off of this now. Okay, all right. So, I, I wanna jump right in today, and, and bear with me as I try to read this message until this resets. Um, we typically uh, go through and, and, and preach verse by verse through, through the whole Bible, expository teaching, and so we've hit a pause two months ago and went through a couple series, and then last week we picked up again in, in the book of Acts. We've been preaching in the book of Acts for a year and a half, two years, and right now, if you would open your Bibles or open your YouVersion Bible app, we're gonna be in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. A lot of verses today. This is the part of Acts where Paul is going and he's visiting the churches. This is the New Testament church. The church has just started and he's going through and he's encouraging the church and, and sometimes rebuking the church, telling them to change and get better. But this is the beginning of the church. And so we're seeing the church exponentially grow at this time. And so in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34 is the passage we're going to look at today. So you can look on your version notes or just open your Bible, and I'm going to read that. Let me get a drink here real quick. Yeah, it's typically this smooth, so welcome to Church Project. Okay. Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 34. This is small, Chad. Okay, here we go. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see that the church was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with, uh, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, um, who is this babbler? What is this babbler trying to say? Man, this is hard, okay. Jeez, I need, some, I need some bigger glasses here. Okay, hang, hang in there. Does anyone have this version I'm reading, like word for word? You got it? Here, you, why don't you read that out? Oh, come on. <laughs> read that. Here, get your mic. It's, it, that plan like, backfired. That's awesome. Hey, there's a couple of names coming I up. Know. That I know. <laughs> I practiced these names, and I'm still going to get them wrong. So we're reading through verse 34. Ryan Doherty. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm not a good reader. I went to Dayspring. <laughs> oh, come on. Weston, come on. Come on now. All right. Um, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting with Arapagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we'd like to know what they mean. All the Athens, Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul 
then stood up in the meeting of the Aeropagus, I don't know, and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. So you are arrogant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. He did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far off from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offering, or sorry, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such arrogance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world in, with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And that Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was, anybody? Sounds good to me. A member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. All right, good job, Ryan. Thank you. That was, that was perfect. Good job. Let's see if we're up here. We might be up, and then I can actually read and take my glasses off, so bear with me for a second. It's going to be way better if I don't have to wear these things. Oh, okay, here we are. Okay. We're back. Okay, we are back. Good job. So, welcome to Church Project. We'll figure this out along the way. Um, this, is, this is an incredible passage that we just read. And I want to point out a few things on it. Of course, we picked one of the longest passages to preach from today when, when Ryan had to come up and preach it. But I want, I want to point out some very specific things because I think God has got a very specific message for everyone in this room. I think this is one of the most powerful passages in the entire um, Bible. It's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible because we get to see earlier on in history, we saw Jesus throw the keys to the kingdom to his apostles and disciples and said, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use you to grow your church. And now we get to see the church growing in phenomenal ways. And we get to see people re really represent God and what they do and in who they are. And so I wanna point out a few things about um, this particular passage. If you'll notice in verse 16, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So we see Paul, as he's looking over the city in verse 16, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. In 17, he was in the marketplace day by day 
with those who happen to be there. So you see Paul in the marketplace day by day. In verse 19, they took him and brought him to this place of honor to teach. So because Paul had a, 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 a distress for the city, he showed up in the marketplace every day and began to teach. And because he was teaching and he was there, they, the people that were there that were not Christians, said, your teaching is very curious to us. So they brought him to one of the highest places of honor to teach in the entire city. And then we see in 19, they say, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. So they've heard the teaching. They know that this is new teaching. They take him to the place to teach where they're all there, and they ask him the question, may we know what you're teaching? And then what happens verse, through verse 20 all the way to 31 is Paul giving a beautiful gospel presentation, which you can read later on this afternoon. I mean, it's just Paul talking about Jesus and talking about us and who we are. And then we get down to verse 32, and they, they say, um, when we heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear that again. We want to hear more about what you're saying. Like these are the intellectual gurus of the time. Their philosophy think, their philosophical in their thinking, whatever word I made it up. Thank you. Philosophical in their thinking. And they're, they're all about the new ideas. And so when Paul presents this new idea in this place of honor, they say, what you're teaching sounds really intriguing and we want to invite you back to this place of honor to teach. Wow. And then in verse 34, some of the people became followers. Imagine this happening in downtown Greeley. Imagine this happening at the hospital because you work there. Imagining this happen as you're a a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad and your kids are saying, we want to hear more about this. Imagine this on our college campuses. Imagine this everywhere that we go. Like, We show up and we're greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols and we reasoned in the marketplace day by day and the people there took us to the place of honor and said, teach us more about this. And then when you you teach, they say, you know what? What are you doing next week? Come back next week because I want to hear more about this. This is intriguing. Something is new about this. And then some people even end up believing in Jesus and the gospel message. This is a powerful passage. What do we need to know? Here's what we need to know. You are eternal impact. As human beings, you are eternal impact. What do I mean by that? You are eternal impact. You don't have to make eternal impact. Just the fact that you have breath just the fact that you're walking, just the fact that you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you are eternal impact. You being impacts eternity. The fact that you have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you right now, you being impacts eternity. From this point forward, when you walk out of this room, you impact eternity. Do you know that? Like what we say, what we do, what makes us up, like we're impacting eternity. It's the Holy Spirit moving in us. I love studying the life of Jesus. I know a lot of us love studying the life of Jesus. And and studying the life of Jesus, he shows us his humanity. Jesus shows us his individuality. 
Jesus shows us his personality, he didn't say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come walk the earth and I'm gonna make a bunch of clones to go do it exactly the way I did. He shows us that all of this is true and important to have our own individuality, our own humanity and personality. He created us on purpose, on reason, to impact eternity where all the places and spaces that we go. We can think back, Jesus He's weeping over Israel as he goes and he's going to the cross. You see him weeping over Israel. What does that show in him? Shows compassion. Jesus, God, walking in human form, is weeping. It shows he has compassion. You see Jesus flipping tables over in the temple court. What does that show? He was hangry. No, it showed, that was funny. That was really funny. Come on, man. Give me something. No, he was, he was angry. We see that too, right? We see that he's angry. We see, we see Jesus' humanitarian efforts when he's feeding hungry people and eradicating diseases, and he's fiercely battling injustice, and we see his intentionality, that he's doing things on purpose. We see this in Jesus. And we also see this in Jesus, him asking his father to change up the plans. The night before he goes and dies on the cross and he's saying, Jesus, if it's possible, take this from me. We might even see a little fear in Jesus. See, Jesus was fully God. He was fully human. And you are eternal impact. You don't have to go make eternal impact. The fact that you're alive, you're already impacting eternity because the Holy Spirit is alive in you. As we look at Paul when he goes to this city, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Be aware of what is already part of you. Paul was aware. His distress was already part of him. He didn't have to show up and go, I wonder what's happening right here, huh? No, because of what was already inside of him, he knew he was impacting eternity and he had to distress for this city. Church, we need to be aware of what's already part of us, what already makes us up in all the places and spaces that we go. That's good. You are eternal impact. Why do we need to know that? Well, we need to know that because you are priests. I know that's an old-fashioned word, okay? You are pastors. Does that make a little more sense? It's not just Aaron Havens. It's not just Ryan. It's just not the pastors of the church. Like, we are priesthood, the priesthood of the saints. And he is doing the building. God is building his church through his church, us, his pastors, and his, pre, his priests, as we have eternity in us already, we are affecting eternity the moment we wake up. We are his plan. We are the pastors. We look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and this is what Matthew 16, 18 says. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. And as Jesus is preaching, and as he's talking to Peter, he's saying, you are Peter, also known, your name also means rock. And on this rock, and he's talking about himself, and upon this rock, Jesus, upon this rock, God, I will build my church, and Hades will not overcome it. I think what's interesting, a lot of times we we use this and and there's other religions that base their whole philosophy on this verse right here upon building the rock or the church upon Peter himself. 
What's interesting is if you look in the parallel versions of the Gospels in Mark 8 and Luke 9, it doesn't mention anything about Jesus looking and saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And so we can't build a whole philosophical religion off of this one thing right here because in the other two Gospels, it doesn't even mention Peter and mentions the rock. That means that this whole section of teaching right here is about Jesus saying, I will build my church upon myself. And I am going to use you, Peter, as a piece of that rock, and you, April, and you, Krista, and you, Jerry, and all of us to build my church. And the gates of hell, it's not going to stand against what I'm doing. You are the priests, you are the pastors, and he is building the church. He is doing the building. We can continue looking in Matthew chapter 18 later on. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we have to keep in mind that Jesus in this passage is teaching the plurality of the disciples that are in the room, and Jesus is addressing the plural church, not just Peter. And so he's saying, I'm building my church. I am growing it. And it's going to take our whole church, all of us, to continue to build it. Here's what we can do because of this and in light of this. We can sigh a huge sigh of relief right now. (sighs) Go ahead, try it. Take a deep breath. Because this whole Christianity thing is very, very simple. The salvation of the cosmos doesn't depend upon you doing the right thing at the right time. So breathe easy because you stubbed your toe and said a curse word in front of someone that wasn't a Christian. It's not going to push them back from God. You're just not that powerful. God is building his church. If we carry the load of everyone's salvation on our shoulders, we're going to be crushed. That's not our responsibility. God is saying, I am building my church on myself, and I'm using you, the church, to do so. That is a huge sigh of relief, because some of us think that we need to go save the entire world, and we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulder, and that's not what God intended for us to do. In fact, I want to read a little passage here from an author called Richard Rohr, And he writes a book called Falling Upwards. Here's what he says. All we can give back to God and all God wants from any of us is to be be humbly and proudly, is to, sorry, is to humbly and proudly return the product that we have been given, which is ourselves. If I am to believe the saints and mystics This finished product is more valuable to God than it seemingly is to us. Whatever this mystery is, we are definitely in on the deal. True religion is always a deep intuition that we are already participating in something very good in spite of our best efforts to deny it or avoid it. Listen, church. Our perfect ideal, our perfect person has already been created. 
we will arrive fully completed the day that we die and we stand before God because of Jesus' son. Our joy in this life is discovering the person here and now while on this earth and then presenting that person back to God. I see nothing in doing and I see everything in being. God created us ideally and perfectly through his son already, and he says the joy of this life is discovering who I've created you to be. Now go be that person. And Paul, as he walks into the city, he already had eternity in him. He just had to discover that and walk in that. What a joyous thing. Because when we're walking in who God has created us to be, it says that we can bind and loose what Satan has planned, and what God wants done on this earth. That's an incredible, awesome message for all of us. And it starts with our own identities and our discoveries as to who God created us to be. So we are eternal impacts already, and we are priests or pastors. He's doing the building. What do we need to do with this? We need to master the you craft. Master the you craft. It's all about you. We see the prayer of Jabez in, in, in 1 Chronicles 4.10. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Like the prayer of Jabez. Jabez is crying out to God saying, God, show me who I am and show me what you want me to do in this life. So Paul in the marketplace, he shows up, he's convicted, and then he reasoned with the people in the marketplace. So he was convicted and compelled because of who he was already, and then what does he do? He's finding out who he is, and then he masters his craft, and his craft is teaching. He gets busy teaching, and it says in verse 17 that he reasoned in the marketplace day by day. And his reasoning was so compelling that the people around him invited him to teach more. His craft was so good that the people around him invited him to keep doing his craft more and more, better and better. What's your craft? What's your identity? Who do you wake up and find yourself in? Is it in what you're doing or is it in the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit guiding your life? If we find our identity in him, our craft, whatever it may be, auto mechanic, nurse, whatever it may be, master that craft. Know it so well and let it come from a place of being so deep that people around you are gonna say, I want more of that. What you're teaching, what you're doing is so unique and so compelling. I want more of that. And it starts with being alive and who God has created us to be. And why do we need to do this? Because our culture, Greeley, America, the world, our culture needs you. The church needs you. I am building my church and nothing will stand against it. Listen, change is coming. God says, I am gonna do a new thing in your time. Are you finding your identity in who I am and who I've created you to be? If so, I'm gonna give you the tools to change the world. I believe that in Greeley, we're all alive right now 
to impact the culture of Greeley. Do you? That there is life that needs to be spoken and lived out in dead places. Do you? And are you finding your identity in who Christ has created you to be? Or are you finding your identity in what you're doing right now? The problem with finding our identity in what we're doing is one day we may look up and find that that ladder we've been climbing our whole life is leaning against the wrong wall. And that talent that you had just isn't going to make it tomorrow. And when that moment of crisis happens, if that's your identity in what you're doing, you're either going to have to climb back down that long ladder or jump off the ladder or sit there depressed because the realization that we've built our life on doing and where it's gotten us will crush us. It cannot be about our doing. It has to be built on an identity of who we are. Paul shows up to the city. He knows who he is. Part of him, the Holy Spirit, is moving. Eternity's in him already. And he begins to master his craft to the degree where the smartest people in the room are saying, we want to hear more. And when he's done, they say, we want to hear even more. And some of them came to know Jesus Christ. Are you mastering your craft, your identity in Jesus Christ? Because here's here's the deal. As he builds his church, he's going to send us out to heal the land. We already at Church Project have sent a lot of people out physically that have been part of our body and then they've moved off and they're doctors and other things like that or they're just, they've, they've come through. It's the body of Christ. It grows and it fluctuates. Some come and some go. And so we send people out all the time and why does God send people out to heal the land? This is a, a special message for me because this is Zoe, my daughter's last uh, church project gathering. We are sending her out. She's going to college. So we get to drive her down to Phoenix and not cry at all and then come back. It's going to be incredible. I think I have a, a few pictures here. We, we started church project eight years ago and there was a group of us. Look at that. Look at that cute little Zoe bird right there. We got Audra and Lauren, and uh, what's up with my hair? <laughs> Lincoln Brewster, for sure. I remember this first Christmas. This was hard. This was hard starting the church. It was hard coming down here with just a promise from God with a few people that we're going to start something. Eight years later, we see little Zoe. We're sending her off to college, and I think there's another picture here. This is a little fun, a little more fun. This is our team. This isn't just our family, but this is our team. Jeremy and Brittany and Jared and Shannon. We all, that first summer, we were like, we need to go race go-karts. It was quite fun. Like, we just knew that God was doing something really cool. And the, and the call-out was to the church. The call-out was to, we're going to do incredible things, church, yes. But may it never be at the expense of who we are. Like, finding our identity in who Jesus is. And so, I'm going to ask Zoe, if you would, we've done this for a few people, uh, some of our college people and people going off to the military and doing incredible things. We've, we've sent them off in prayer, so I'm going to ask Zoe to come up. We have a little present for you, and it's a limited edition. <laughs> Did you know you were going to get this? No, I didn't. Okay, there you go. Thank you. I'm going I'm to ask a few people to come up um, and just pray over Zoe, just 
out loud for us. So if you feel compelled, come on, um, please come on up here and do that, and we'll send her off with a little blessing. So anyone want to come pray? You are eternal impact because you breathe. You are priests, pastors. He is building his church. Master, you call. Master who you are. Master your craft. Because our culture in America needs you. Um, I want to end with a little illustration. Man, if you can find your identity in Christ and you can, you can lead out of something that's real and true inside you, it's going to impact eternity and impact the world because you're not going to be faking it. It's going to be part of who you are. Um, 15 years ago, Ryan Doherty uh, became the executive director of Youth for Christ. Uh, I, I think 15 years or so. He's been with the organization 15 years, whatever that means, most of it executive um, director. Um, As of recently, um, Ryan received a huge national award, which we all celebrated. You know, just one person in Youth for Christ gets this award, and Ryan got it. We're like, yeah, amazing. And what's really cool is this last year also, his family has felt a calling to step back from being the executive director of Youth for Christ and and come on part-time, even with Church Project, and help us out and do incredible things here. Um, What also has happened is Ryan has gone part-time on the national level of Youth for Christ. Why? Because they've created a position for him that just doesn't exist. Why? Because years ago, Ryan's heart, if you know him, he has a heart for giving. He has a heart for blessing. Um, If you want to buy him a gift, that's like his love language because he always buys me gifts. I'm like, okay. Like he has, he has this heart and so much so that he's led Youth for Christ, the entire organization, to start doing something incredible. Um, I have a little video. This is for Youth for Christ had, was giving to Mexico and I think is still giving to Mexico, but this is one of the leaders in Mexico talking about our local chapter, Youth for Christ, giving um, money to Mexico. And so go ahead and, and watch this little video here. A quick little story right there. Just a simple illustration. Ryan, thank you for being generous. Thank you for being that and creating an organization like that. Thank you for just continuing to lead like that. We honor you today. Thank you. Um, What does that look like for all of us? To just show up to the city like Paul. Or like Jesus. Jesus weeping over Israel. Like his identity was real and true. His emotions were real and true. His experience was real and true. We show up. We don't have to conjure up something to do. There's already an eternity in us and it's coming from a place of a deep, sincere identity of who we already are. And then we know what God's calling us to do. We master that craft and we teach and we teach and we lead and we do whatever we do, all because of who we are. Others will notice and it will impact. It'll impact a city where they continue to ask us back for more and more. I want more and more of that, which is our prayer for Greeley. We literally want the city of Greeley to ask Church Project and the people of Church Project, we want more and more of what you're doing. 
We want, we want to be impacted more and more because your people are so amazing and we see awesome things like the way they think, the way they change their industry and they innovate and whatever, whoever they are, how they love, how they feed homeless people, whatever it is, that's our prayer for Greeley that they would be coming and saying we want more and more of that. And as individuals, our friends and family and neighbors, our coworkers would say we want more and more of that as we continue to find our identity in Christ. And who knows where it leads. We may impact an entire country. Organizations may start jobs simply because of something that's already in us, like God's gonna continue to lead our path and our future. Church, this is so exciting because it's a mixed message. It's a mixed message of finding who you are. And the impact of that is we're gonna impact the world. But it's not about impacting the world. God's already building his church. You are I am his church. So sigh a relief here. The joy of finding out who we are in him and walking in that as he continues to make us more like himself is why we're on earth. It's good. Let me pray for us. God, I pray uh, right now that if there's any of us just struggling with our identity, uh, that you would just soothe us. Show us how you've moved heaven and hell and all of time and space to chase after us. God, please show us how you've handcrafted each and every one of us in this room to simply live. May we breathe and move from a deep identity of who you are. God, I pray we impact the world for your glory. That you would use your church, us, to show off how powerful you are. That all of us with our lives, with our talents, with our identity would point to you and say you are the only true God. You are the only true answer to a world in need. And may each of us this week celebrate our uniqueness, our personalities, our experiences as we push back the gates of hell in every conversation that we have, in every job duty that we have. May we boldly see ourselves as priests and pastors as you use us to innovate, create, to have deep imagination and to speak a language that is compelling to the world around us. Not out of performance, but out of identity and who you are. God, thank you for relieving us of the stress of building your church. We know you're doing it, and I pray that we, each of us, give you control of our life to do that. And may it be a great joy to go. 
to leave here to go heal your land. I pray over everyone in this room, wherever we go, whether it's Phoenix, UNC, or home, wherever we go, that we would smile, fully enjoying this journey of life with you as you're gracious with us, as you provide for us, as you walk with us through hard times, and as we trust you with our lives. God, we pray you heal this land. Start with our hearts and minds first. God, you are and have already given us eternal impact. Use us to love the world. Give us the ability to master our crafts and do it well as we change this culture for you. Thank you for bringing us together today. And I pray that you continue to speak to all of our hearts and minds. And if there's anyone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit just compels them and compels them and wears them down to the point where they say, okay, God, I'm listening. My way hasn't worked. The things I'm doing hasn't worked. I trust you. I trust that you're a good, good God. I trust that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect life and to die on a cross for my sins and that he defeated death and that his blood washes over all of my wrongdoing. And may we each find purpose and identity in who you are. Church, would you just spend a few moments in silence just talking with God yourself if you want to hold out your hands with your palms open and just say, God, here this is. Here my life is. And I receive anything you want to show me today.